discuss extreme, unknown, and cold-blooded killings. Before we start, traveling, or at least leaving the house, has definitely been on my mind. Anushka, if you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Honestly, during COVID, this is a really difficult choice, but at the end of the day, I have to choose Japan. Not only because of the variety of activities you can do there, and you can also experience different environments. Yeah, I mean, I really want to just travel to Iceland. It just seems like such a beautiful place that I have to go see at least once in my life. Okay, David, but let's put Iceland aside for a second, as well as your winter coat, because in this episode, we are traveling to Iran and discussing the disappearance of intellectuals. several core ideas that also dictate people's actions, such as politeness, respect, and dignity. In order to maintain these three characteristics, much of the public maintains both a surface and underground attitude, or simply the differences in how they act in public and in the privacy of their own homes. Within a public sphere, most Iranians behave in ways that will support and uphold a respectable identity in both the social and political circles. In private, however, they have the ability to express opinions and perform certain actions that seem frowned upon by the government at the time. It should also be noted that actions and words that seem honorable can vary from person to person as well as generation to generation. This could cause younger generations hiding certain actions from older generations 
and fear that they may be frowned upon. But based off these values alone, how do you think these core values impact policy in Iran? values of Islam has definitely impacted policy in Iran because a lot of the legislation that gets passed, especially with uh, the overseeing from the Guardian Council, really focuses on how it affects uh, society in relation to their religious indoctrination and their sort of theological um, connections to society. Um, and sometimes uh, it restricts definitely especially like for women um as in the past it has restricted women from uh wearing certain clothes or uh having certain actions or being really independent and even uh it's representing the government because um uh, women are uh definitely not represented in the government not represented in parliament or definitely not in the guardian council or any sort of the unelected bodies that uh, the supreme leader has uh, the power to appoint over. And on top of that, it's very important to consider what kind of political culture arises, especially within this nation, because here a lot of the times the ruling elite kind of like dominates like politically and almost exclusively in this case and there are definitely a lot of places where minorities can arise and they may not fear like their voices can get heard for example um there's a dominant persian ethnicity but then the kurds or the arabs may not have like the expression that they want yeah, but I also think that it sort of like ties into the fact that um, Iran's uh, sect of uh, Islam Shiism is very only uh, seen in Iran because the rest of the Middle uh, Eastern region follows Sunni Muslim. And so overall, uh, that sort of Shiism they uh, seem to want to uh, sort of like keep those specific values associated to that Shiism sect. And they do like impact policy because they sort of make it their priority to uh, sort of care for, or they like focus primarily on that uh, Persian Shiism and then sort of the other um, uh, minor mi- minorities that still exist uh, within the Iranian society are sort of left behind. Oh, definitely. That does happen. And another thing that I kind of mentioned before is the differences in how like religions are interpreted. And that's definitely important. Like, There's an overall umbrella of Shiism, right? And then on top of that, like, people who are young and people who are old may like interpret their religion in a different way. And there are definitely a lot of other people that embrace religion in their own ways. And that definitely impacts policy making because the elites may have those kind of differences. And that may be bad in terms of quick decision making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but all 
also uh, going back to sort of those uh, core values. Um, uh, a lot of the Islamic uh, ideals, sort of uh, politeness, respect, and dignity, they sort of uh, they sort of envelop into this larger umbrella of sort of the more conservative values. And I noticed that, um, especially recently with the rise of the internet, a lot of the uh, Western influences have been sort of like in clash with them. And so I've also, like, Iran uh, does uh, control uh, internet. They control, like, the media. And they have uh, begun to sort of also filter and censor some content that they deem improper and so i definitely think that that sort of westernization has definitely also played a part because it sort of directly clashes with the core values that um uh the uh that people who are very much uh, like very closely associated to the Islamic religion uh, want to sort of preserve in their society and they feel like westernization sort of is undermining that. And going along the line of westernization, and especially in the events that we will be describing later in the podcast, you can see that there is a hatred for opinions or like ideas that are outside the box that would threaten the government and they consider that very dangerous and they handle it in very extreme ways. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a question though. Do you think that uh, like there is a sort of motive behind or I know it's very hard to justify violence, especially very repressive violence, but do you think that there are sort of like there would be a certain reason a reason as to why they do what they do to silence others yeah like uh iran their government they have they are any sort of opposition that we have seen in history uh has definitely been uh quell quelched uh obliterated i would say good word yeah <laughs> <laughs> obliterated um in sort of like a very in our in my eyes a very sort of like extreme path oh yeah definitely they've been taking things to the extreme extreme through these actions i think the main motive behind this as is most political actions everywhere is power they want to maintain control so they will have an easy to manage state they will have a easy to manage public what they do not want is the public rising up it'll simply cause their own downfall and that is definitely a situation that they would prefer not to be in Darius and Parvati were murdered in their home in Tehran. 
was stopped 11 times, and Parvenay stopped a disturbing 24 times. They were active critics of the Islamic Republic and ran a small opposition party named National Party of Iran. This party advocated for the establishment of a secular democracy, meaning the removal of any theocratic ties to religion and governance. Although it was illegal, the Iranian government tolerated its existence because it was so small, with only a few hundred members that had no parliamentary representation. With the extent of brutality carried out in this particular murder, large demonstrations and mounted pressure led to an investigation where authorities, in rare acknowledgement, determined a number of rogue agents within the intelligence ministry who carried out the attacks. However, it gets deeper than that. The families of victims believe this investigation to be a cover-up, since each suspect claimed to have acted under the orders of the intelligence minister, leading to the accusation that this was intended under government leadership and responsibility. In fact, videos several years later leaked appearing to show violence used to force confessions. But this led to investigative journalism that led links to other unsolved killings, specifically towards writers and intellectuals all the way back to the late 1980s. Although this incident ended with the survival of all victims involved, it was a major link that solidified that the attacks were after intellectuals, writers, people of literary influence. In 1996, a bus filled with 21 people was on the way to Armenia for a poetry conference when the driver attempted to drive them off of a cliff twice, both unsuccessful. The second time, the driver leapt out of the vehicle just as it was about to hurdle itself off the cliff and escaped. The passengers were taken to a nearby town where they were detained by local authorities. Journalist Baraj Sakodi said, they forced us to write a letter agreeing to not speak about the incident to anyone. After this, we understood that they wanted to kill us all. It was clear that the government had deeper ties in this than originally thought. Another supposedly vanished intellectual was poet Hamid Hajzadi, who was killed in September of 1998 along with his nine-year-old son. He was stabbed 27 times, while his son was stabbed 10 times. Hamid's wife was in the other room during the time, sedated during the crime. The government took no official responsibility for it, stating that the deaths were a simple mistake. In fact, many cases within the broad spectrum of intellectual murders fall into this category. Once the killing has taken place, those who are related to the victims never receive the justice they deserve. But why would the government want to target a mere poet? Well, Hamid actually wrote under a pen name in which the poetry he introduced was seen as threatening to the current political power. Usually, the government would simply censor such a thing and possibly imprison the writer if things got rocky, but we can see here that they took more extreme measures this time. Also, while these three were some of the most publicized, Many more were simply unfortunate incidents that happened without a trace and without any endeavor for justice. In fact, almost all are still largely unsolved and swept under the rug. And we are back with our favorite segment, Fast Flag Facts. Today's nation, 
Iran. Iran's flag has three horizontal stripes with green at the top, white in the middle, and red at the bottom. In the middle of the white stripe, there is a red design. The green stripe represents the faith of the nation, which is Islam. The white stripe represents peace, and the red stripe represents valor. The symbol in the center depicts the lion and the sun, which can have multiple purposes depending on who you ask. The most commonly heard version is that the lion and the sun acts as a coat of arms. Thank you for tuning in to the third episode of Inside Job. Next week, we won't be solely talking about intellectuals being on the chopping block. That's right. Up next is how the Chinese government executes certain government officials. What exactly do they do to deserve such a fate? You'll have to catch us next time to find out.